millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Taylor, joined by Josh Brown. Hello, Scott. And Ben Roy Turner. Good afternoon. Hello. Now, in honor of Avengers Beta being open this weekend and a lot of people diving into what is increasingly a pretty divisive game, uh, we just sort of gathered to put our heads together and started talking about various outdated tropes and different things that have uh, sort of got in the way of other games potentially being uh, better than they were. So we've just got a little got a little pool of complaints and moans that we're going to get to. One of the first things um, that Benroy uh, mentioned is the idea of various copied and pasted open worlds, games that just go open world for the sake of it. Um, and I know that you hung this on Ghost of Tsushima. Did, is that the thing that you want to lead with i it's weird because it's not like that's not the it, it, it's the most recent one because it's like i've just done it so i mm. guess so but it's not like i'm going oh this is the crappiest thing in the world it's just i've kind of seen this enough times now and you probably didn't need all these gimmicks in it sort of thing. <laughs> well it defines some gimmicks because i think there's plenty like especially ubisoft games that have just collectathons for the sake of it or just stuff where you're out and about in the open world for far longer than you need to be They've done like the they've done the collecting stuff well, I guess that like you can grab it off the horse and stuff, things like that. But why am I collecting flowers just to get a different coloured uh, armor or a different colour or anything? Well, when that's why, I mean, yeah, it, it gets covered like it gets covered in blood after five minutes, or it gets covered in dirt, and just it's just a almost a needless layer to the game that could just be stripped out straight away and affects nothing to the gameplay whatsoever. Apart from that one trophy where you got to get the the black and white dye people, I'm just it's just just let's switch the color and just move on really, and maybe maybe make an effort and not call supplies supplies and give it an actual name rather than just. What uh, do you call them? Cog tags? Why can't they be called supplies? Because <laughs> cog tags are unique to each gear and actually have a little description on them as someone has died, Scott. Whereas uh, just like someone's died. Uh, video game throw up. I don't know what this, what this supplies thing is. Josh, what's your general reply to the way that Mr. Benroy is acting up on a Friday afternoon? Well, like, like it often is doing these podcasts with you and Benroy, I often agree with the broad strokes point, but the examples use and uh, not the examples that I would use for them. You know what I mean? Because when it comes no. to the flowers and ghosts of Shushma, I had a good time um, picking all those bad lads up because believe it or not, swapping out my colors, like that was the thing I was here for. When I got a new set of armor, 
I wanted a whole ass to the, the the black dye guy to make it look all Batman esque. You know what I mean? So well, I have no problem with that. Or them being called supplies, Ben Roy. What else you gonna What else you gonna call them? What name would satisfy you? Other than you supplies. Might, would, let me rename it. I want. I would say boring, pointless currency. <laughs> but it's not pointless, is it? Because you unlock stuff. I mean, no, it. it's probably the most pointful currency in the whole game. It's probably the most meaningful thing and has the worst name. Where it's just like, why didn't I have the? Why can't I give some person flowers to make my bow better instead of supplies and maybe a bit of iron? Because the, like old school Japan didn't trade in flowers. Did they trade in just just generic supplies and not like fish? <laughs> fish can be a supply. I don't know. I don't know, I don't know why that's a thing. <laughs> In either way, to get it back around to the general, like the problem that I would say is more uh, to do with how many different Ubi, how much Ubisoft bloat there is in open world stuff. The idea of just go yeah. collect 50,000 uh, feathers or, you know, in GTA 4 was my breaking point, go get all the pigeons. And I was like, I'm just never going to do that stuff. Um, I did think that in, in Sushima's case, at least they tie it to something like unlock it a costume or like you said, the supplies that you can put into different blades, like powering them up. Um, but I mean, Josh, what would, what would a different example be for you? Is it the Ubisoft side of things? Um, yeah, the Ubisoft side of things and um, like the Avengers, you know what I mean? I had, I had mm. no interest, even though it's not an open world game, you have like these open areas where you're encouraged to go kick open chests and gather some loot and gather some collectibles and stuff. And it just mm. is ultimately, well, in my eyes, kind of like meaningless because at least in Ghost of Tsushima, yeah, like the actual, I agree with Ben Roy, I know what you're trying to say. Like, I, I agree that the, the things you're collecting aren't exactly exciting. There's no real kind of challenge to it. You're literally just going around a world and picking stuff up. But mm. for me, it was worth it because I was invested in the upgrades. I was invested in, you know, making my katana more effective. I was interested in getting better dies for my gear. I was interested in upgrading that gear. You know what I mean? For me, kind of like the useless collectibles or the useless... Um, things that scatter the open world the useless rewards i suppose there's not worse than to, to me than doing a side quest that i already kind of don't want to do that's already phoned in that's like follow this dude keep out of um sight or whatever mm. and then you get an absolutely useless currency at the end of it i just i don't like it it's what puts me off about assassin's creed especially because i'm like i'm juggling all these different currencies primarily probably because you want to monetize it and get your own premium currency in there mm. it's just like I just feel nothing. I'm just seeing the numbers go up. And I just want something well, substantial. I just want to get something good out of it. Yes. There's, we've definitely got a separate thing, <clears throat> excuse me, about like uh, the amount of numerics that invade games, the amount of numbers popping off people and how you're only really, you know, ranking up skill trees to get plus five damage or you know, minus five percent on something else. I will mention though, um, again, because of Sushma, it's not that this podcast is about Sushma, but I guess as one of the most recent sort of nexuses of where everything comes together, like, you know, it is an open world game and it does fall back on certain tropes. Um, one thing, because you mentioned, Josh, about like, you know, the, the idea of like worthwhile progression, worthwhile things to unlock. Um, as me and you talk about in a private dm i didn't seek out any of the missions that were based on those rewards i specifically did the story missions or the ones that would give me like a bow and arrow um, or different sort of things to unlock and then i went to the main story missions alongside that um, and at the end of it i hadn't done a lot of the like the side character stuff or a lot of the ones where the only reward was another charm and then you couldn't believe that because you were like well why didn't you do that stuff and i was like well i was focusing on the stuff that would be the most meaningful i don't know if that's the same for you ben roy but like that that sort of progression i like that i could pick and choose stuff but it did mean that I didn't go for the stuff that would just be charm-based. I went with for the weapons and things like that. I will say, again, not to just dive in and completely steal Ben Roy's <laughs> point. Uh, like, we're talking about Ghost of Tsushima a lot, but when it comes to, like, the charms, that was the one thing in that game that I did find useless. When I was looking Same. for rewards, it was kind of, like, upgrades on new armor and stuff. But the charms, I was just kind of... That was, like, the overloaded, kind of, like, pointless... 
um, add-ons that I just I don't like to mess with in games because mm-hmm. usually I pick the most effective ones and then the ones that get after that it's not they're not different enough to encourage experimentation once you find a nice play set i feel like there's so many of them they're all kind of so incremental in their upgrades it's just like well why do i need another one of these why do i need to kind of invest in the system when the system already works see i i think the side quests were probably the best part of that that Mm -hmm. the the individual sort of like friend friend quests i would say and especially i don't know why but i really enjoyed as i've forgotten everyone's name the monk was it (laughs) The warrior monk towards the end, the guy with the massive stick who shoves it on his back. Oh, and it's just four and it looks p.m. on a Friday. Ridiculous! Yeah. As he's just walking around with the stick on his back. He's great. I know he's great, but it just looked funny. But I, I thought that 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 was probably the meat of the game, rather than the sort of like generic sort of feeling of the main story and all the oh. meaningless side stuff that oh. I cursed upon most open world games. I mean, the very end of Tsushima was a bit of a surprise. Like, oh, this is surprising. But then it got me proper involved at some points. But I don't know. It feels like it, feels like it wasn't... I mean, not even fully baked is bad way of saying it. I feel like the main stuff was hit and miss. The side stuff was good. And then just, you know, following a fox was all right. I will say that um, the whole uh, the thing is I adore the main story. I think that it's it's the the way that it ends gave me the same sort of feelings as the way Last of Us Two ends, which is the, one of really? the biggest praises I can give it. Yeah, I uh, absolutely love the way that thing comes together. But um, I will say as well that um, yeah, the way that they decide to design all the side stuff, where like you know they you can just go talk to some random person and they'll give you a quest. Or, oh, you know this certain uh, you know places under siege. Go help me. These bandits are attacking. Or go retrieve this heirloom or whatever. Stuff that sounds kind of generic on the surface, but I did find that because the I was this individual who was trying to save Sushima, like, you know, trying to sort of like fight back against the Mongols and slowly like reclaim the island bit by bit, that that reinforced a, a level of purpose that I don't think hardly any other open world games, especially recent ones, um, have managed to get in. And that that is because of the relationship to the main story and because of how much they nail like Jin Sakai and the family honor and trying to do the right thing. And I think all that stuff goes hand in hand. Um, but it all does fall down because the rewards aren't very good. Open world games feel like a cheap excuse to try and scratch people's stealth itch as well. It's like all the <laughs> stealth stuff is just now an open world. And especially to Harkon Tsushima, because it's the most recent thing I played, mm-hmm. where you would blow things up on one side of a camp and on the other side, people would have no idea what was going on. And you would do a standoff <laughs> and stab all these people in dramatic fashion and you creep around and everyone's just chilling the way they were. And some yeah. points that was really jarring for me as well. And in other open world games as well, it's like, as we've i think we've mentioned before like the tall grass syndrome or just like let's get in the grass stab some people and go back for de- de- back for tea ben Roy, i will say right on the on, on on the on the idea that people can't hear things over one end of the camp right i've only got an anecdote for you right one time when i was in an old flat i was sleeping through the night and apparently i woke up to my flatmate saying josh did you not hear what was going on last night and some absolute nutter was pounding on our front door to the point where he left blood marks down it. He was hitting it that hard. And I just slept through it. So these dudes what? in Sushima on the other end of a camp, like just sleeping through explosions, I buy it, man. Like that's, that's real. I, <laughs> I, I, I came up this. It's game, Sushima's game of the year. Let's go. Yeah, <laughs> the most, most relatable uh, Geordie-based game so far. I think that um, like, they don't really, a lot of open world stuff, it does kind of feel like a mishmash or just like a hodgepodge of various sort of bankable game fr- game frameworks that they think will be, will just sort of work if you just put them next to each other. Like the better, like you said, the most basic approach to stealth is here's some tall grass. You know, you're either completely seen or you're not. It's not like there's a light detection meter like there is in Splinter Cell or something like that. 
uh, and those things can kind of feel a bit stale. Um, in Sushma's case, I think that there's enough like heart, soul, passion, confidence throughout that of the project overall that it works. Um, but there are too many games that, or so many games that just throw in open world elements. For me, Halo Infinite, as soon as they pulled out and revealed that op- that map, I went ugh. Like, I don't want that. I don't want an open world sparse Halo. Like, for me, it's only going to take away from the reason I play Halo, which is constant engagement. The more you take those things away, like Arkham City, um, I would totally say that that game would have been better the more linear it is, which I think Josh doesn't agree with, but I could be wrong. Arkham City, for me, is like, to to me, that's like the perfect open world, man. (laughs) (laughs) I hate to do it. There's not much to do do it, though. It's because um, it, there's not much to do in it, but the way it's constructed, it's not like huge like Arkham Knight was. And for mm. me, even though you might, uh, like, I think it's a fair argument that it should have retained the kind of semi-linearity of um, Arkham Asylum and mm. gone kind of down that Metroidvania route of having like a bunch of like these areas in a overall world and like you being encouraged to backtrack. But for me, Arkham City, even though some of the um, side quests do repeat to a ridiculous level, like mm. I always felt that every single area in every single alley in every single building in there kind of like had a story or a purpose or you know like something about it something to Mm. reveal about the world or the characters and stuff compared to especially at the time when everyone was just trying to go big everyone was trying to scale up you had like you just causes trying to be as huge as possible which Mm. resulted in so many copied and pasted assets and all of these nondescript environments and an open world that didn't feel authored even though i do kind of i do concede that arkham city might have been better not going open world i still feel like its version of the arkham city is is incredibly authored and in kind of incredibly full of personality in a way that at the time so many open world games just weren't and and so many open Mm. world games now just kind of lack that distinct character I guess the it's thing- just not unique anymore. Yeah. Just like say, if The Last of Us Part Two was all that open world section at the beginning, I would have probably been a lot more sour on it. Like, I feel like I, I, I like a, an authored experience a lot more. And sometimes in open worlds when you can just almost feel like you can see the area that these uh, developers crafted and lovingly put together and they mm-hmm. plopped it in part of a map. I'm not saying that directly to assist human about it, but like sometimes I feel like even like with like going back to like days gone, like I, I get get a bit of the I think the exhaustion started to hit me a lot more around there as well. Just like I think, it's just yeah. yeah, just wandering the world to get to the good bits almost. Yeah. Which is that's that's the thing with Arkham City is just if you took like every time I was I was outside of one of those main areas in City I just longed to be back in there but but to be back into something else that was more authored and the open world in City's case just was lots of gliding like you know you drop in you detect some bandits you take them out or some thugs you go to the next place and I was like oh this is where the game is the game is around the corner in the next main bit and I'm just going to do this sort of what I felt was kind of like empty busy work in between and um, we'll add some stuff on on here though because we did mention uh, we touched on Avengers uh, earlier on uh, but that game has like an invisible loot system which you know there's you can go down the theory route which i have in terms of i think square enix asked them to put that in and it wasn't part of the initial mission statement and um, but where are you guys on loot systems in general because i remember like when diablo 3 you know made it to consoles and it was just sort of this resurgence of this is how you do a loot system and um, but so many games like take the fortnite route of uh, and it's not like fortnite originated this but the four color route of just sort of mm-hmm. green, green yellow and purple um and occasionally it's blue um, and just sort of going down that thing. Are you guys as sick of loot systems as I am? 
I've, I'm really I'm sick of disposable loot in games. I don't mind right. the idea. In fact, I really like the idea of opening a chest and having a cool new um, piece of armor or a cool new kind of weapon in there. Mm-hmm. But the fact is, and again, I keep going back to Assassin's Creed because like, this has been, even though I enjoyed Odyssey, it's the biggest offender for a lot of these different mm-hmm. tropes. Like in that game, I could never get attached to a piece of armor or a piece of loot because I was constantly swapping them out and I wasn't engaging with them other than on terms of pure numbers of which one gave me the most damage protection, which one gave me, uh, you know, an extra chance for a critical strike. And when I'm just cycling through things so quickly, it kind of becomes pointless. It's like, well, what makes these distinct? What, why am I actually doing it? Is it, is it mm. purely because one gun has bigger numbers than the other? And I think in the case of the Avengers, um, because it's like invisible as well, and you don't even have that cosmetic element to it. You're literally just sort of going into the menu and having the system auto kind of choose the best loot for you. It's literally just pressing a button, the numbers go up. That's the end of my engagement with it. I never used to hit those buttons. Like, yeah. I know, man, because like, why would I be encouraged to explore or engage with the system if the easiest option is to ignore it, hit a button, and then the game does it for me anyway? Mm -hmm. It's it's kind of like the division division two and sort of like they are the sort of like you get a gun for 10 minutes and you throw it away i, I don't want to just have a gun for a, like just saying like a few minutes and then get another gun with two percent better mm. better wind resistance i'm just gonna pick a two <laughs> percent better in the rain i just i just don't care and it feels yeah. like that's when i said it the games as jobs and just like constantly looking at them as all going through that i'm going through i'm going through a drawer or there's there's a there's there's some rice let's put that on this gun here and it's just it's just for me it's not fun at the end of the day and i said like another comparison like Fortnite, you get the green one then you get the blue one then you get the purple one you get the gold one but there's no the only difference is the little shimmer as you pick it up after you've got it it's just the same gun whereas like say like segue into like a, a PUBG. I think that's why I still like that so much is mm. you're getting you're getting guns that you kind of you know that are, are more damage that do more damage and you put things on them rather than mm. just get the exact same thing and it's the exact same thing over and over and over again. And with the division like I just gave up the division two, the game doesn't start until you finish it anyway. There's a whole new sort of like section that goes because like I'm so exhausted with this loot and just pointless numbers and <laughs> like between killing five dudes, fixing something and killing some more people mid like seven times during a mission. I felt like sometimes just, yeah. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 
This podcast is brought to you by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it just makes hiring all in one place so easy because you just get unparalleled access to job seekers. Plus, listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash WCG. Just go to Indeed.com slash WCG right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash WCG. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. I don't know if that was because, Josh, you you raised a finger to your lips during that point as if you were going to dive in. I did. I was just going to agree with what Ben Roy was saying because um, when it could, I'm, I'm not a huge PUBG fan, but I've been playing a lot of Warzone over the past mm. few months. And they have a similar system where you've got so many different guns and so many different blueprints and you're doing the same thing of popping open chests and you're looking for the numbers, you're looking for green, you're looking for blue, you're looking for orange. But I think they do it in a really interesting way where each gun is a blueprint. So it comes pre-packaged with a certain amount of kind of um, attachments. So you might have one that's really good for aimed on sites, one with like silences and stuff like that. And it sounds quite basic but because they're limited every season and they're constantly cycled through you only have um you know a handful at a certain time so across a single season you're encouraged to get to know them you're encouraged to kind of experiment with them and as a result you're not just looking at the damage output you're not just looking at one assault rifle and looking at another one and because this one is gold or whatever and because it's got higher numbers Mm. like that's not just going to get you through because you need to understand how it handles you need to understand um, like what sites are you understand uh, about like the aim down sites. And I know that doesn't work the same as it does in a, a single player or a linear game where mm-hmm. you're constantly, you know, upgrading a character and this changes every single match. But I just think I miss, and this is going to sound weird, dudes. I miss getting intimate, right? With like my character and my weapons right. in my armor. I miss kind of like that feeling of, yeah. yeah, this is this is part of me as a player. This is part of me as a character. And mm-hmm. it's been on, with me on my journey. Well, like, like- I'll, oh, sorry, I, I just no, want to no. point out, right? In Fallout 3, at the very beginning, you get a BB gun, right? <laughs> and every single time I play Fallout 3, I never chuck that thing away because it's part of my character, right? It's part of my character journey. And right. I don't want to just dispose it. So I, even though it takes up space, I'll put it in like a drawer somewhere and just know that it's there, which is might be mad, but I think there's something in there. Do you know what you'd love, mate? If you like that, you'd like the original Final Fantasy VII because all the starter nah. weapons in that yeah. game, you keep all the way through. Why, when you've got the remake? But I was uh, to just say, <laughs> imagine if EA's Return of the King came out now. Mm. You, Aragorn would just be getting the same sword, but now it's blue, now it's gold, and Gandalf would just have d- d- a different color staff, and Frodo, <laughs> and Frodo would have a different co- different color of crying in the corner, sort of thing. And Not even one ring. Yeah, it just wouldn't even be fun. If seventeen different rings, you'd buy another <laughs> one. But it's just. I, I think like Josh, I long for, I'm old now and I long for a more simpler time. <laughs> well, but, but like it, there is a lot of, 
it's it is strange because like there is eventually a satisfaction to sort of balancing the books and getting all those, those things in order and stacking certain you know crafting components and whatever it is cashing those things in and ranking up weapons and ranking up your character but the thing that josh said like you know it, it is loot systems are fundamentally discordant like you're not going to stick with a build because it's going to change in 20 minutes and that's what eventually put me off diablo 3 um because i wanted to build i want to build a character in an rpg um like i do in skyrim and i want to take those things through i'm not taking my bb gun for 50 hours across the wastelands but i do want to like have a meaningful evolution you know gear wise for rpg characters um, and stuff like loot systems just don't engender that whatsoever um yeah. so yeah i think that that is like a, a kind of a problem to try and meet in the middle going forward and um, we did mention um josh you wrote down men with shields as one of your things that you're sick of oh yeah i suppose we've been focusing quite a lot on like open world and character upgrades and stuff but when it comes to sort of combat and again i got this when i was playing the avengers there are yes. certain enemy types that i am just kind of sick of and i'm sure ben roy will be able to back me up perhaps not on this example but I'm sick, right, of playing a character action game and there's a dude with a shield and I need to either jump over him or press him or hold a button to break the shield. I'm like, I've done this. I keep doing it. I'm, 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 I've, got, I've had me fill. Like you and Tall Grass, Scott, I've had my fill yes. of this. Every time it, it shows up, I just, I sigh a little bit inside. It's not going to break a game. I'm not going to mark a game down for it. But I'm like, have we not got any other enemy types at this point? <laughs> like you've always got the heavy. I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll add to this pile because I'm going through Alan Wake at the minute. The amount of dudes in that game towards the end that you just hold the torchlight on for ages as their health, as, as their shield slowly goes down and you're just standing there holding the left trigger, like hitting Y to put, the, put enough batteries in to eventually get rid of their shield so you can actually shoot them with something. Um, yeah, I think that like sort of invulnerable or, you know, any sort of enemy that is like a heavy style one where there's nothing to do other than just wail away at it. Um, that can be tiring, especially if you do apply it to open world stuff or loop based things. Um, Benroy, you hate sticks. For the I, was just gonna de- I was just going to defend <laughs> Sam Lake Quilly and go like, normally with those guys just use the flashbangs or something like that. But You got any, I mate? I mean, fair, I, I guess so, yeah. Probably, probably <laughs> need to run around in the grass and loot some more, I don't know, but that's probably what <laughs> she says. But... I'm going to talk about the shields quickly. I'm going to say what I probably never mentioned to you two. The shield people in Final Fantasy VII Remake, oh, oh, just walking around behind the mansion so you can poke him. Just so annoying and boring and crap. Just crap. Agreed. Yeah. I was just like, when well, I was doing Which this, one? The, the, I was, the mini boss one at the start. One of them. And then I think if they carry on a few more of them, but I was meant, I paused it. I messaged a friend of them. Am I just meant to just try and run around this person and poke yes. him in the back? You yeah. can use grenades. Oh, <laughs> it's just, it was just so agonizing. Like when you're like, you're trying to work out how much meant to break his stamina or something like other games you expect, but no, you can just, as well. just get behind him and poke him. But, just him. People, but segueing back to Shishima, people with sticks. The problem with Shishima is I don't think the stance, the stance combat system is good at all because it's, it's just a separate discussion. Hold, hold a trigger, then switch, switch stance, right? To the picture of the shield or the picture of the stick. Ice cream yeah. van's going past. You can probably hear it. It's coming again. And the triangle does this. If you switch, oh, now triangle hurts thick man. Now triangle hurts shield man. Now triangle hurts big man with little swords. And now triangle hurts other man. I'm just like, one, that's a problem with that game. But two, stick men. Why, when did we decide stick men have the unbreakable little red shimmer that started in, did it start in Sekiro? Was it in another game before that? <laughs> Where, oh, well, Sekiro attacks have been around for a while. I mean, like, they, if you go for this generation, rise some I, I think it, I think it was a massive, like, I think it's a plague that started or systemic problem started with Sekiro where it's just like the little red flash up, oh, got to dodge the stick up oh, now go in there. Oh, no. he's now oh, you've, you've got to switch to the, the, the stick power or is he's going to block you 17 times? 
Is that not better though than having like a bullet sponge enemy that you're just going to wait? It on is with a the sponge technically. It is a, like always you're slowing down the action to switch back to a thing, and you're constantly doing it. And there's mm-hmm. like four or five different enemy types around you, and you're doing it for each one. It just because kind of stop being fun. So when you get the power to just hulk up and just go. I can't swear, but you know, and then just stab people instantly with that ghost ability. Uh, It was just a nice way to clean some people out. But my problem is stick people and people that require only one way to break them down. Otherwise, you just kind of. um, I hope there's like, because obviously people will let us know what they think down in the comments. Because for the most part, when it comes to Sushima, I've seen resounding positivity. I kind of, in a way, hope there's a little wing of people who have just been like, finally, this is what's needed to be said for the last few months that we've been playing with this game. Because for me, that stuff is what gives it the variety, what gives the combat variety and gets away from all the bullet sponge stuff or the blade sponge stuff. Yeah. Um, that is the stuff that I got so sick of in Assassin's Creed or like so many other open world games where you're just wailing on dudes that have a bigger HP pool and you have the same amount of you're doing the same attacks and animations over and over again but the numerics change i think that whole numeric side of it one other thing is that when you're hitting them in a combo and then the very last hit they always manage to just nope and hit you off or they get your poke and it's like oh i just i don't know sashima's Sashima's like a great seven or eight out of ten now sashima's great but i'm just (laughs) ragging on it because there are things that annoy me about it so much some point, at some point, we'll do like the most annoying eight out of ten games, like games that are so close that still like annoyed you or something. Yeah. Josh, what's your thoughts on all this uh, stance switching shenanigans? Uh, oh, right, okay. I'll, I, I'm, I'm with you both. I'm always in the middle. I'm always in the middle of you both. Oh. I take the best points of each, I think. Anyway, um, <laughs> on the one hand, yes, I much prefer this system over the idea of bullet sponges because bullet sponges in general. Uh, I just they're not for me man like I don't like that idea of something is only difficult because it has more HP and it's just a grind and it's not fun and not feeling like you're doing anything is like the 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 worst offender in any game the feel like the feeling that you're making no progression whether it's fighting an enemy or in a loot system or whatever Mm -hmm. but at the same time I also agree with Benroy that when you get an enemy where you only have one way to defeat them especially in a game where it promotes a bunch of different like tactics and you have options. Like that to me is frustrating. It's why I don't like that, say in one game, I might have to hold Y to break a shield. And that's the only way you can break a shield and you can't go around them or whatever because the mm. automatic return. So that I always think is kind of like a bad desi- design decision. Like I always like when you have options in combat, which in the case of Sushima, I think you do. I, I, yes. For me, I wouldn't kind of lump that criticism in with Sushima because I do like the stance switching. I do think it makes it a bit more engaging. And even then, you don't just have to kill those enemies with that stance. You still have a chance. Otherwise, just your stagger doesn't do much say- damage. There's always a crossover pool of every stance will harm every every enemy if you really prefer using a different one. It's just that certain stances yeah. are better against certain other ones, like the, the spear enemy, shield enemies, whatever. Like I thought that they balanced that stuff pretty well, although you can get caught in that mentality of like, oh my God, I'm, I'm holding L1, I'm switching, I did one attack, right, let me switch again, let me do the other weak attack against something else. And I guess you could kind of get in that mentality of just being in that weird slow motion toggle over and over again, not do- knowing which stance you should stick to. I do have a solution and it is what I will praise this game for is the bow and arrow, like pretty much you can one shot everyone throughout the entire game. And I really <laughs> appreciate that. Well, Only done. when it's like ranked up. Yeah. What? Well, I guess I saw it because that was the first thing I ranked up. So like right. for me, it was always headshotting people instantly or even <laughs> when you get the heavy bow and it does the arm on people. But yeah, it was, I think it's a bit of that. And then when they were just, they throw so many different enemy types at you and then you've always got, there at one point you get seven like seventeen or big like you know the big general people in in camps and just yeah. 
it just yeah it just felt like i'm switching around too much and trying to slow mo because there's one trigger like r2 and l2 both do different trigger things and there's trigger menus within that so it's trying to like balance a lot of that and i did find myself accidentally switching for some reason to like the the noise distracting jingly thing for some reason rather than like the bomb chime so i'm throwing a wind chime oh it's not a bomb damn it as i'm in I must say, been like 50 hours or whatever playing that game, and I still could never get those menus right. I was still always messing <laughs> up or choosing the wrong thing or accidentally doing a wind chime. I don't know why, but like, <laughs> I love that game, but those menus were unintuitive, I thought. Yeah, it is weirdly like having sort of like multiple hold this and then use the face buttons to jump between stuff. But they want yeah. some of them with the D-pads, some of them with the face buttons. I think they give you such a massive amount of, of combat options. Um, but then, you know, trying to do them on the fly when you're trying to fight like two or three guys at once and toggling between explosives and different arrow types and throwables and everything, that can be kind of uh, ridiculous. And um, one of the last things um, to sort of nail down for the, again, we mentioned a lot of open world stuff, but I think that that's somewhat indicative of how homogenous a lot of game designers become this generation, that nearly everything has a loot system and open world component like even Naughty Dog have gone down that route with Uncharted and Last of Us and stuff like that um, but we one of the things that we wrote down before we started was the Ubisoft um, liberation game design structure um, which was uh, Josh's words so I guess do you mean in terms of unfogging the map like one tower at a time unfogging the map one tower at a time but even more specifically um, a huge mistake that I think Ghost Recon and um, Far Cry 5 made was you get like a, a huge map where you can freely explore it, which on the one hand is great because you can literally make your own story. You can go anywhere you want. You can, you can make this journey yours. But at the same time, the whole game is you need to defog an area of a map. You need to take out some lieutenants and then eventually take out the leader of one area. And then you move on and you do the same thing again. And then you move on, you do the same thing again. You move on and do the same thing, the same thing again. And then eventually you get to the main boss in the middle and then you beat them. And because of that, because there is so much freedom, it just, for me, it lacked kind of any sense of narrative pacing or urgency mm -hmm. in the story, especially when it comes to Far Cry 5. And that was my biggest... Um, complaint with that game was that because you could go to any of these areas uh, feasibly at any single time and take out any lieutenant in any order the game had to um, account for that but it, it rarely did it in the story in a substantial or meaningful way and it just made all of the missions and your place in this world kind of feel like meaningless in a way and like you mm -hmm. weren't having any real effect because you were doing the same thing and you're doing the same thing and you're doing the same thing and then the game was over at least, at least the story was over and it's like there must be a way to marry freedom if, if not total freedom with some sense of authored story that maintains a sense of pace and a, and a sense of kind of like stakes or something Ghost you know what of I mean? Tsushima I like, does that really well, well that's what I mean we, we've had a lot of examples that do do that well I think Ghost of Tsushima does it well I think, uh, you know, like The Witcher 3 does it really well. Spider-Man, Marvel's Spider-Man does it yes. quite well. But still, we get a lot of the games, a lot of other games that are going in the exact opposite direction, uh, like those Ubisoft games. And it's like, why? Why are we yeah. doing this? Why are we going further in that direction? When, if anything, that should be something that, for me, was finished at the end of the last generation. Well, you know that was almost, shouldn't have gone more down that route. That was like the thing that we found out as soon as all the allegations and everything came out about Ubisoft's top brass is that that one dude, that uh, Hasquare, whatever the hell he was called, was the one guy like having all these creative meetings saying, no, just keep doing this one thing mm -hmm. over and over again. Copy and paste. So, um, yeah, literally like copied and paste. And uh, yeah, literally like telling entire creative teams and entire IPs that this is the way to make this one game. Um, I think that'll go away. 
at least with uh, Ghost Recon Cocaine Mountain, it felt a bit more crackdowny. Where as soon as you got a helicopter and you had like two or three of your friends, you could just rock in there and destroy a base and go straight to the lieutenant guy, destroy right. him, and just just get away and just go and do something else. See, that was cool, Ben Roy. And I, I do. I had a lot of fun with both of those games. You know what I mean? Like Ghost yeah. Recon, especially where you could just get a friend in a helicopter, like you said, go do the mission in the stupidest way possible and get that awesome mission complete thing. But that's only fun for like five ten hours you know what i mean if that's the whole game by mm. the time you're 20 hours in like i didn't finish ghost recon um wildlands because no. of that because it was just more of the same and i was like i've had my fill i've had my fill of this meal and there's nothing in the story that's keeping me going there's nothing in the structure yeah. of the missions because all the missions are on like the same wavelength more or less and it's like well like what's what's keeping me here after i've mm. had my fill what's compelling me to actually finish the game and this is from someone who almost feels ob- obsessively compelled pulse to finish every single game like i get stressed out if i don't sometimes i feel mm-hmm. like it's something that i need to compartmentalize and finish but for ghost recon and to be honest maybe even far cry if i wasn't reviewing it i might have been able to put it down and go i think i'm doing this there's... i've started far cry 5 three times now and i'm gonna finish it this time <laughs> there's just no, there's something not. about the um, no you're not there's something about the um the ubisoft approach that doesn't have doesn't like there was something about old school gta when it was rockstar when it, everything was way more sort of physics-based or experimental and like oh you know if this target's going to escape you can get there ahead of them before you trigger the mission put a bomb in the car and blow them up and figure stuff out that way that i thought breath of the wild tapped back into obviously in a different setting altogether but at least you could experiment your way through missions like oh you know there's this encampment that needs taken out but oh if you climb the mountain next to it you can punch a knock a boulder off the top which will take everybody out and it's like oh i thought of that i made that work and that there's some of the things that make the open world genre so great and but the more even rockstar the more that they've you know got bigger and the more they've tried to access a mainstream audience and the more they've tried to quote unquote guarantee that every player sees the same thing the more they've lost all those fundamentals um, and hardly any games have that anymore in terms of just an open world setting being experimental it's always more delivered like they try and sort of guide you on a certain path and in ubisoft's case like yeah there's nothing really free form or experimental you're still going point to point doing the exact thing finishing missions in the exact same way far cry 6 is probably gonna be the exact same but i want it because um uh just because i want to live on fictional cuban island and fight gus <laughs> i do want to hang out with uh, with mr gus i forget yeah. what that dude's uh, gustavo i forgot his real name is i completely blanked on that man's real name john carlo s Mr. Legend, man, he's a good chap. Yes. But anyway, yeah, let us know anything down in the comments below. Which sort of general gaming tropes are you a bit sick of and what kind of stuff do you want to see changing going forward into the next generation? For now, this has been the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I've been your host, Scott Hilford, joined by Josh Brown. Goodbye. And Ben Roy Turner. Watch out for those big sticks. <laughs> we'll catch you next time. Bye. See ya. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.